0: Thank you for tuning in. This is a normal human radio podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Normal Human Rewatch. Today, we are jumping into Season 1, Episode 15, Bato of the Water Tribe, as we continue watching Avatar The Last Airbender. Great episode. You know, I did want to bring this up. This is the lowest-rated episode on iTunes. Although, at the time of release, The Great Divide was the least liked among fans. So, season one has some tough waters uh, with with The Great Divide <laughs> and then Battle of the Water Tribe. Boy, I, we'll I see do some rough waters say, in this episode. <laughs> Good one. I do have to say this is probably my least favorite episode.
1: Yeah. Um I feel like a peek behind the curtain is in order for this one. This is the second time we're recording this episode.
0: Yeah, uh, the first time we recorded it, and I'm just gonna say this, I was not prepared at all. We did a monster recording session and this was the last thing we recorded. Um we talked about the episode for roughly seven minutes of the 30 minute recording. <laughs> And I want to say when I, because this is one of the episodes I ended up editing, we had about 14 minutes of usable content, and a lot of it was pausing in between us talking, us not being able to come up with sentences, and then us talking about uh, things we really shouldn't be bringing up on a podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of on brand. Uh, just not this podcast. They can be brought up, just not, yeah, not on this
1: one. Yeah, uh, not this one. I just... Because I also, I watched it, I guess from the from the first time I watched this show, I didn't like this episode. Mm-hmm. And I feel like every time I've rewatched it, I'm kind of like, have this weird, like, I'm not a fan of it. Even though, objectively speaking, it's not a bad episode, I don't think.
0: No, um, it's a... It,
1: I mean, it's... It's got a lot of cool stuff in it, and it's got a great message. I mean, I guess yeah. the message I'm reading into the episode is a good one. So... It's-
0: it is a forgettable episode,
1: though. Yeah, for sure. I I do think that this this is one of the weaker episodes of the first season. And I think it's a really, like, good... It's good for the show that one of its weaker episodes would be a stronger episode of another show.
0: Yeah, and I mean, we say that again and again that, you know... Every Avatar: The Last Airbender episode is good.
1: Yeah, there's even though a, it's not a favorite, not a
0: objectively bad episode. And I mean, if you're like a hardcore fan of the show, you can have ones that you're like, "Well, these aren't good episodes." You know, the Great dev- and and Bottle of the Water Tribe, and it's like, well, you know, they're still really good. They have good messages. It's good writing. I think the this just feels off because the characters feel off. Yeah, it's they like they act didn't a know way... what they wanted their characters to be.
1: I think the issue is the characters act in a way in this episode that they don't necessarily act in other episodes. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is kind of an issue. But I think if you read it in a certain way or watch this episode in a certain with a certain mindset, you can understand and read a way that it actually does make sense. I don't know. I'll get into it at the end of the podcast. But let's actually jump into your Josh Nobses here.
0: Thank you. So, after the misadventures and events of the science and reason versus prophecy <laughs> and blind belief, Team Avatar is deeper into the Earth Kingdom, still on their pursuit to the North Pole, when Sokka and Aang come across the scene of a battle. Sokka quickly determines the origin of the Whale Tooth Scimitar as a Water Tribe weapon. He and Aang quickly search the surrounding area for more evidence. When Katara comes down to inquire what they're doing, they fill her in, and they find more traces of a battle between Fire Nation soldiers and Water Tribe warriors. The search ends on a nearby beach when Katara finds a beached boat, and again, Sokka recognizes as part of his father's fleet, um, his father being Hakoda. On his on his own ship, Zuko and Iroh are enjoying tea in a moment of quiet, when the ship is suddenly rocked by a large animal being ridden by a dark-haired woman. The woman, who we come to know as June, is atop her sheer shoe, and she inquires at the location of the, sh- of the stowaway. All right, hold Adamant on. Adamant that they're...
1: Oh, yeah, bit- Sorry, I want to cut in here. One, yeah. June is one of the most badass characters in the show. Two, Great the sheer shoe one, yeah. is an incredible creation.
0: Um, I will say, our, our first podcast, we... I was trying to come up in my head what the two animals that mixed <laughs> together to be that. a sheer shoe were, and you kept like prodding at me like, it's a shear shoe. I, I was like, that's not what I'm trying to do.
1: <laughs> I, I, I was trying to antagonize you, and yeah, yeah, we should not record more than three episodes at once.
0: No, we shouldn't record for more. Well, the issue was we did videos before that, so it ended up being like a five or six hour recording (laughs) session. I remember. (laughs) But in between recording sessions, we were just at each other's throats, (laughs) like just being mean to each other. (laughs) All
1: right. So, Um, continue on.
0: However, Zuko is adamant that there's no stowaway on a ship, but is shocked to see that the beast tears a hole in the deck and captures a stowaway with a quip quick lap of his poison dart tongue. Zuko inquires to how they knew that the stowaway was there, to which June informs him of the Shir Shoe's incredible sense of smell and subsequent tracking ability. Later in the night, Saka tells Aang of the day his father left the Water Tribe, leaving him as Katara and pretty much the Water Tribe's caretaker, as the oldest fit male. Um, on... At the conclusion of the story, Bato, a friend of Hakoda and native to the tribe, explains that he was injured in the fight that they uh, saw all the traces of, and is currently recovering at a local abbey. Saka and Katara, ecstatic about seeing a familiar face, share stories of their tribe, unintentionally causing Aang to feel left out. Not too far away from here, Zuko and Iroh have tracked down June to a nearby bar, Zuko demanding to speak with her. June, who's entangled in an arm wrestling match, quickly acknowledges them before beating her opponent, who looks like Ryu from Street Fighter.
1: Yeah. And the other thing I and wanted to say about this scene is uh, Dave Filoni uses almost the exact same scene in The Mandalorian to introduce yeah, a character.
0: Um, a female bounty hunter, yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's almost the same thing. Is,
0: is this the one before the uh, famous bone broth scene where. Yes. Um, Okay, the Mandalorian's fighting the girl, and then they look up, and it's Baby Baby Yoda Yoda. sipping sipping on some bone broth.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but when the Mandalorian walks into the bar, there's a fight going on between... um, I'm blanking on her name because I haven't seen the Mandalorian in like six months. Um, Or uh, between the female bounty hunter character, who is an absolute badass, Mm. and a dude that's much larger than her. And she absolutely crushes him
0: classic feloni
1: yeah feloni definitely has a lot of influences and i think that he uses them well because it doesn't seem like a total ripoff considering he, they use the exact same scene but if you watch it you, you kind of see the homage to the avatar episode and other there's other shows and stuff that have used a similar trope but anyway i digress
0: um so I looked at um uh, that this is a a quick thing. Uh Dave Filoni didn't have anything to do with this episode.
1: No, he didn't. Um But
0: but it is funny that a a show he worked on significantly.
1: Yeah, I, I, I was think thinking that he, he does wrote have... that and then wrote it again, but No, I'm pretty sure that he was like the overall like, oh, director like the... of it. Gotcha. So I think he was involved, but he wasn't like the main director or the main writer of this episode okay that's my understanding of his role on the show
0: regardless um june collects her winnings and zuko bursts in pretty much claiming that she has to reimburse her for his ship's damage june plays the nonchalant card like hey i'm out of money and then buys drinks for the bar (laughs) power move um power move yeah but is quickly pulled outside by zuko claiming he's not requesting money but rather a favor he holds out Katara's necklace, and after quips back and forth, an additional fee of Iro's weight in gold is added, <laughs> and the hunt begins. That's such a good line. <laughs> Mickey, your are waiting. Shrewd business. So, uh, back in the Abbey, Bato explains that he is expecting a message from Hakoda, so Sokka and Katara might get to see him. Aang, at hearing this, kind of scampers off, not hearing the remainder of the conversation, that Sokka and Katara do decline the offer, wanting to continue on their journey with Aang. So as Aang contemplates what he's to do next, the messenger arrives, giving him the rendezvous map that Bato was expecting. Um, ba- Back with Zuko, Iroh, June, and her sheer shoe, Nyla the hunt does continue going through many of the towns that team avatar had visited previously, including the herbalist Institute and aunt Wu's fortune telling shop. Uh, a couple funny things happen with the herbalist thinking that her cat Miyuki <laughs> uh, got in trouble with the fire nation and they remark how, how often Katar or how, um, significant Katara Sen is at aunt Wu's fortune telling shop. Just kind of referring to how often she was in there,
1: which there's a line that Iroh says when, uh, and Wu was like, hey, do you, wanna, do you want to me to tell you your fortune? Iroh says something along the lines of, at my age, there's only one great mystery left, or one great surprise left, and I'd rather keep it a mystery, which is king shit.
0: So, the following day, Aang hides the f- footprints of the messenger, and Bato takes the trio on a coming-of-age ritual, uh, something that Sokka and Katara haven't gotten to experience since there was no, you know... um the village is pretty much running on fumes at that point. It's, it's just the elderly, the the children, and then pretty much Sok and Katara who weren't deemed old enough at the time. Um, normally they would go ice dodging, but due to the warmer climate and being in the earth kingdom, they go uh, jagged rock dodging, <laughs> which seems more dangerous, but I mean, ice is pretty dangerous too. Look,
1: you can dodge ja- a rock. Jack, you, you should can... know that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Look, man, you can dodge a rock. You can dodge a wall. <laughs> So, under Sokka's captaincy and the water bending efforts of Katara and Aang, Bato passes them, giving them each a ceremonial mark. Sokka for his wisdom, Katara for her bravery, and Aang for his trust. Yikes. You hate to Aang see it. Re- Aang rejects this mark and reveals to them his untrustworthy deeds. Sokka, angered by this and Katara disappointed at these actions, both now opt to go see their father instead of continuing on with Aang. Shortly after their departure, the Sheershu, very close on their trail, arrives at the abbey. As the Water Tribe trio travels, a lone wolf howls, Sokka suggesting the wolf is hurt, but Bato quickly remarks that it has simply been separated from its pack, explaining that he can relate to this uh, by stating that he never felt lonelier than the day he was left at the abbey. This brings back memories for Sokka of the day he was left behind while the remaining fit men of the tribe left for war. Sok and Katara come to the conclusion and realization that their true pack is with Aang, and turn around to go back. Aang, who is preparing to leave, is warned by, and let me tell you, this is the greatest character name, is warned by Mother Superior of Zuko's approach. Uh, Mother Superior being the leader of the nun group at the Abbey. You do Born know that's like,
1: that's like an actual thing, right?
0: Oh, like Mother Superior is like... Yeah
1: that's like she's like the head non
0: oh i i'm fact checking you yeah yeah somebody in charge it's also a band that does blues and they were active from 1993 to 2011
1: oh nice i learned that from a beatles song oh and uh happiness is a warm gun classic beatles
0: yeah it's actually
1: one of my favorite beatles songs
0: Mine is revolution nine. <laughs> so the sheer shoe tracks down sock and Katara quickly, finding that the avatar is not with them. Um, so the sheer shoe paralyzes both of them. Oh my God. The amount of times I have to say sheer shoe is, is getting difficult. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, t- it's a tongue twister when you have to say it a yeah, lot. Quickly. I could have just said Nyla, which is the sheer Shoe's name, yeah. but it's more fun to say Shearshoe.
1: It's a fun word to say.
0: Uh, the sheer shoe paralyzes both of them and they take the two back with them. Uh, to the Abbey in search of Aang. Arriving there, they quickly realize Aang is soaring above them, and Aang is able to quickly take down the beast, uh, throwing Katara and Sokka to the side. The Shirshu, now separated from its riders, uh, with June, attempts to attack Aang, but is stopped by Appa, who just full-on headbutts it. Yeah. Um. There's a pretty... Awesome battle scene, and and this is definitely the best of the show. I I would recommend going back and watching this because my description is going to be pretty short and curt for it and doesn't do it justice at all. My description of the battle scenes never do the actual battle scenes justice. Yeah, if you're going to watch anything, it's a really, really cool one. Yeah, Uh, it's basically broken into two parts. The Shearshu fighting Appa with June and Zuko firebending at Aang while Appa is defending Ang and also keeping the Shir shu at bay. Appa, Appa is such heavy a tank. heavy tank carry. Oh heavy my god, carry. he's so good. Um so Mother Superior in the meantime has risen sock and Katara with perfume to help cure their paralysis. It's like the uh um uh what's it called that like weightlifters or like um or football players who don't care about concussion protocol will sniff to kind of snap back into it.
1: As a smelling salts?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like a smelling salt type thing. Um, but doing that, Sokka devises a plan realizing that, you know, the sheer shoe is, is such um, a tough foe because of its sense of smell. So spilling much of the perfume in, into the courtyard, Katara begins to bend it. Just as this is happening... um. Appa is taken down by numerous poison dart tongue attacks, which one takes down a human pretty easily, so his ability to take numerous of them just shows how powerful Appa is. Um, And Aang is cornered by Jun, the Shirshu, and Zuko. Right then, Katara forms the perfume into a mist, effectively blinding the Shirshu, who darts Jun and Zuko before fleeing. Iroh, who has been absent much of this battle, pretends to be paralyzed and holds June in his arms in an attempt to get closer to her, much to her dismay.
1: Uncle Iroh in this episode is a simp legend.
0: I I disagree with the simp sen- sentiment, but we don't have to get into it. Just uh, in this team, episode. Team Avatar uses this opportunity to escape, and as the group continues flying, Aang asks them what their plan is. They inform him that they all need each other and will be accompanying accompanying him to the North Pole. Aang remembers that he was able to retrieve Katara's necklace and returns it to her, prompting a peck on the cheek as the, glant, as the gang flies off into the sunset. He was slick at the end there. He was slick. He's he like, oh, by slick. the way, bam.
1: He's like, oh, what if I, you know, like I feel like I should, I, I, I feel like I want to give you like a trinket to, so you can remember. And he's like, oh, wait, bop, here's the necklace.
0: Bob, hit her with that quick bop
1: yeah, exactly
0: um now this this episode's pretty straightforward, um Jack, I know you have quite a few things that you wanted to talk about, so let's get into those,
1: all right, so I feel like um one thing that i i I like when t v shows or movies do this is when they say at the beginning, like toward the beginning of the episode, like, oh this. These nuns make perfume. It's like a throwaway line of just like whatever. But then it ends up becoming super important at the end of the episode. I appreciate when you kind of hear something or are told information, you disregard it, and then later it comes back up. You're like, oh shit, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is like, I think the there's a message you can read. I don't know if it's super on, I don't know but ang fucks up pretty bad in this episode like i think it's pretty beyond he fucked up and immediately sako was like yo fuck you dude i'm out but then kind of i which i feel like is a little bit out of character in a way because usually they're kind of understanding of things and katara just going with the group and not kind of thinking on her own is a little bit out of character. Uh, yeah, usually she kind um, of has her own opinion on things.
0: Yeah, it's. I I think I think, you know, if thinking about it, if I'm in their situation, you know, I haven't seen my father in a long time and I have this opportunity to go with him or you know, at the beginning, it's like yeah. they, they grew this attachment to Aang. Sokka less so than Katara, but I mean, we will see towards the end of uh, towards the end of the season and beginning of next season that that Sokka becomes fully ingrained with this group.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I understand why, because it makes sense that they acted that way. It just is not super in character for them in a way. Yeah. So I especially I mean, knowing the
0: my... characters on the on the grand scale. Of, yeah. You know having seen this and having seen part of Korra and what knowing I, the additional things it, that happen in the comments. Yes.
1: And- uh, it's hard to separate that knowledge from when you're watching it. Um, yeah. However, I do think it's a good lesson of the like everyone at some point is going to fuck up pretty royally. And sometimes you just have to kind of try to understand where they're coming from
0: i do like that they make ang um we know that ang is the is the most powerful person in the world um he's the avatar he's the most important person in the world but he is the one that screws up the most
1: yeah and i again i think that's a cool part of the show where your mm. main anti or protagonist are is not perfect they make because mistakes you- they do things where you're kind of like dude what are you, what are you doing
0: and I will say this is and this is getting a little meta. I will say, um, you know, there's a lot of shows where, you know, you could take you could pretty much insert anyone else into the main character's life who helps them along the way and they'd be doing just as well. But if you take Sokka and Katara and eventually a couple of the other people who join Team Avatar away from Aang, I don't think Aang is successful. Exactly. In in, you know, trying to master the four elements.
1: And the other thing that a lot of shows do is the main character is always so bland. Yeah. But in this show, I mean Aang isn't the greatest character of all time, but he has ups and downs and he has development mm. and he has his own personality that Yeah, it's it's I tough think to write
0: it's tough to write the complexity of a character. Like when I when I think of some of the greatest characters of television, the past, you know, decade or so. One of the first ones that comes to mind is Walter White. Yeah, We're Breaking Bad. But you know, this isn't something that this the show do, writes characters extremely well. But between the storytelling and the character development, it it forms this cohesiveness between the story and and the actual characters. But honestly, for me with Breaking Bad, you know, you replace some of some of the characters, some of the major characters in there with anyone else, and I don't think the show loses so much because it it's so well driven behind a couple major characters who yeah. who really drive the show. It's less about the story and more about the characters. Where this, you know, it's more about the characters um, in some episodes, but much more about the story in others. And and we'll see that with, with some of the upcoming episodes.
1: And, and the other thing is there are... And we mentioned this again in an episode that we just recorded not too long ago, so I'll be brief mm-hmm. on it. But the other thing about this show is there are characters, like June, is in two episodes maybe two and a half throughout the series. And she's so cool that she's so memorable that I feel like she's in so many episodes. Mm -hmm. And that is like the, the ability to write a character that is only... Like they put so much effort into making these bit part characters so memorable yeah and i really appreciate that kind of effort because i generally speaking will remember characters from a show or movie more so than plot or story so i think that i appreciate how much effort goes into the main characters and even the bit part characters everybody has some sort of arc or character development or as just a really cool bit role like june Mm -hmm. is dope yeah they didn't need to make someone who's in an episode and a half or two episodes that cool also another thing the show does really dope female characters yeah it's it's for a show that i mean you'll see that there are a lot of women involved in this show But a lot of the writers are guys. Mm -hmm. Typically, guys don't write good female characters. I mean, if you've seen a movie, um, they're not good. So the fact that this show does that is is really, really cool. And a testament to how great this show is for kids to watch.
0: I do like that the show has a good breakdown and evenness among male and female characters. It's not yeah. like a male dominated show. And you might think it is um, just thinking about some of the major characters that come up. It's like, Oh, you have Ang, you have Sokka, um, you know, you, you, you have Zuko, Iroh, Fire Lord Ozai. But you know, later as the series progresses, it does start out a little male dominated. Um, but as the series progresses, you know, a lot more female characters get introduced who are such powerful and such pivotal characters for the show that,
1: Honestly, you know, some of the best characters in the show.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, there's a trio that comes up that I give an excellent name to in, a, in an episode we just recorded. Uh, there's the Kyoshi Warriors.
1: The Kyoshi Warriors are so tight. Yeah. And they're they only in the, the one episode in the first season.
0: We'll have um, to uh we'll have to talk about this more upon the conclusion of the show because yeah. after after we do conclude watching all sixty three episodes of the show, um I do want to sit down and go with like, go go over you know our overall feelings of the show as like a as a grand finale yeah and we'll talk about this we'll talk about a lot of our favorite characters um and then we'll be introducing uh, what we're gonna be doing after after the show because we could. We don't just plan to do this and then stop. Yeah, Um, we have
1: we have a lot of shows we want to get to.
0: Yeah, we were just talking about it. There's like 15 shows (laughs) that we're like, yeah, let's watch this. It's like, oh shit, we gotta actually get through one. But um, on on that note, if you don't have anything else to bring up, Jack.
1: Uh, no, that was pretty much it. Other than uh, the delivery guy, what the fuck is that? He just like, hey, I'm looking for Bato, and Ang's like, I know him, and the delivery guy's like, here.
0: That's like that's like if a UPS driver <laughs> dropped something off to like a person two streets over and was like, uh, do you know the Cinderellis? Yeah. All right. Here you go. <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? Especially when it's like battle plans. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's like, hey, important warrior meeting up with important <laughs> tribe leader.
1: Dude, come on, man. Other
0: than that. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> All right. Guys, thank you so much for listening. If you're listening on iTunes and you drive us five-star review, I will read out your comments live on our next recording or during the recording. I guess it's not entirely live, but I'll be doing it live. So whatever. (laughs) Um, if you're listening on Spotify or YouTube, um, I'm not sure if you could do anything on Spotify other than follow, but we would really appreciate that. Like, subscribe, uh, share on YouTube if you can. Um, But honestly, if you don't want to do all that and you're just here to listen, As a passive listener, I do that to a lot of things, so I I completely understand uh, where you're coming from. Just know we really appreciate you guys listening and everything that uh, you you do for us. Um, So, yeah, stick around for next episode. It is Season 1, Episode 16, The Deserter.
1: I'm editing that in 10 minutes.
0: (laughs) Oh, you're editing that soon? Yeah. Nice. And then you'll be editing... We're, it seems like we're going backwards in editing. Well,
1: yeah, I'm editing I'm editing this episode Unin- and 16 but. today and releasing okay. them both tomorrow because this episode was supposed to go up today.
0: Oh, I see. So, so we are... Yeah, it was edited on... Um, it was finished editing, I think, Saturday, and I messaged you and I was like, this is awful. We can't use this. <laughs> yeah,
1: so we're redoing it, but tomorrow we'll have... You won't know the fact that... But yeah, there's two episodes coming... They're going to both be up right now. (laughs) All right, guys, thanks again.
0: Guys, thanks again so much for listening. And as always, peace.